This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's a double header this week, as the Clarets take on Palace and Fulham. This is the None and Ever podcast. And welcome to another bumper edition of the Known and Never podcast. We are here talking about two games. It's that time of year. It's that time of pandemic. It's that time of season. Games are coming thick and fast. I am your host, Natalie Bromley, and joining me this week are team members Rich and Tom. Gentlemen, good evening. Good evening, Natalie. Good evening, good evening. Good stuff. Well, we have lots to dive in with here because we've had a double week. Uh, we've been played away at Palace, which was, of course, a phenomenal 3-0 win for the Clarets. And then last night, we drew 1-1 at home to Fulham in what was very much billed as a relegation six-pointer. Um, I'm going to start with the Fulham game because that's kind of fresh in everybody's mind. And I think it feels like we... Um, not an awful lot happened in the game, I guess, but it just it, it really... I guess starting with you, Tom, it, it, it felt very much like a relegation six-pointer, didn't it, as I just said a minute ago. And it was one of those games where probably a point was going to be all right for us, but it really couldn't have been one that we lost. So I guess taking last night's draw into account, eight points clear of the relegation zone, how are you feeling generally about survival hopes this season? Do you think we're done? Yeah, I think uh, I've always been pretty confident that we were going to have enough to survive. I think when you look at some of the teams down there, I think we are better than at least three of them. Um, obviously, last night it was a much bigger game for Fulham than it was for us because they they need to put wins on the board. They've been drawing a lot of games recently and obviously while it's while it's giving them points, they're not ticking close enough to, to the edge of the relegation zone, I wouldn't say with those. So I think for them to have a realistic chance of falling us in over the last sort of 10, 15 games, I think they had to beat us. Um, and I think that we had that in our minds as well. You could sort of see the last sort of 15, 20 minutes, we weren't pushing on for a win a lot. We might have been, had the roles have been reversed. So uh, I think, yeah, the result is is a good one for us. It, it keeps that gap at eight points. It's a big gap for a team like Fulham who have, haven't shown this season that they're capable of putting sort of two, three wins together. They picked up the odd win here and there, but I think the one on Sunday against Everton was the first for about two months. So the, the chances of them putting three or four wins together and overhauling that gap are pretty slim, in my opinion. 
we've got a very winnable game on Saturday. Yeah. I know Fulham have as well. But uh, if we can win that West Brom game and put 11 points daylight between us and them, I think it's going to be really difficult for, for them to overhaul us. So I'm, I'm feeling very confident about our chances. Yeah, I think I am as well. And I think, Rich, it, it, it's like it's like Tom said, Fulham have won, what, two games all year? And it's like for them to suddenly find that form to be able to win, what, four, four or five games on the bounce and everybody else to lose around them feels just like a ridiculous feat. Um, but I definitely agree with Tom. I think if you compare last night's Fulham results to, not the results, sorry, the performance, it definitely felt to me like we were, I don't know if nervous is the right word, but it definitely felt like we were more subdued last night. It felt like we were quite carefree and, and, and happy against Palace, but last night we were definitely like disciplined, weren't we? It was like it felt like the team must not lose. Yeah, I think it was a tense. It was a tense game, and understandably so. I know there's, you know, there it was. There was a few different opinions on social media last night. There were some people who were really disappointed that we didn't get the win. There were some that were happy with the draw. Myself, I was happy with the draw. I think keeping that eight eight point cushion um, was vital. And I think it was really important not to lose. But what I would say, I thought first half, I I actually thought we delivered a, a good performance. Um, something that I was banging on about was, I think if you let Fulham play like Everton did, I thought Harrison Reed was very good against Everton, where he had all, all the all the time in the world, and but we nullified that off Fulham. You know, we we pressed highly up the pitch, and I think for, at the end of the day, we should have gone one 0 up in the game, uh, yeah. and then we conceded just such so, so, such a soft goal, which I'm sure sure we'll analyse. Well, we let's got, let's um, talk about it now, Rich. Let, let's let's okay, go on. rip that bandaid off. Talk us through that debacle because I know just, on the line, like players on the line, and just that discipline in the goal from set pieces is something that you're really, yeah. really on with, aren't you? Well, yeah, I think what's frustrating is we've had f- uh, five points in our last three games. Obviously, Palace were playing amazing, and then two, and then we've kind of conceded two goals: one each against Brat, one against Brighton, one against Fulham, and both of those goals were from set pieces. And quite similar goals were we just didn't seem to pick up a man at all. So first of all, obviously, who you know, the Fulham game is even more frustrated because they've managed to get two free headers in the box, mm. and then obviously, you know, I don't want to come on here and start slagging off Brady too much because everybody knows he had an absolute shocker last night. Oh, uh, but uh, but uh, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't actually know what he was doing. It was on. I, I could have forgiven him a little bit more if it was on his right foot, but it, but it was on his left foot. Just yeah. completely seemed to just switch off. Um, so I think that's done. I think that that is a frustration. Is that I watched the half an hour highlights this morning. Um, I am on half term, so I've got a little bit more time. <laughs> and, uh, um, so you know, and when you watch the highlights back, even though I was happy with the draw, we should have won yesterday, really. Yeah. Um, yeah I think you're but yeah, right. it's just. I think that's that's just a frustrating part. Is you know, we, Fulham really offered very very little. I thought they would have. You know, that that was a game for me. They needed to win to drag us back into it. Yeah. And this I don't know if they were suffering from a little bit of fatigue too. You know, don't you know, don't forget they played on Sunday. And I think that's something oh, you've that's got to true. take in mm. and I think it's something you've got to take into account with, with these games. You know, I know Fulham have got a, a slightly bigger squad than us, but they've used the majority of the same players because the backup players, as we've seen in the cup, are very nowhere near good enough at this level. So, you know, we do forget sometimes that these professional footballers they're human beings too. Yeah. You know, I was watching Dwight Dwight last night. Oh, he looked first, tired, didn't he? Yeah. First half, though, he was chasing everything down. He was working hard. I said that to my dad. And then second half, he looked absolutely knackered like a lot of the lads did. And it was almost like the two teams kind of saying, well, with 10, 15 minutes to go, we definitely don't want to lose. 
you know, we'll 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 take the point. Um, but yeah, I agree with what Tom was saying to sum up. Uh, yeah. You know, I think I think we are safe now for the remainder of the season, especially if we, you know, get a good result against West, West Brom, which I'm confident to doing. Uh, but yeah. yeah, overall, I'm happy with the point. But I think I think the, the point you made there, Rich, which is a really good one. You know, if we if we go back to what Tom was saying about um, Fulham suddenly finding this miraculous form out of nowhere and finding all of these wins when they haven't been winning to to overturn that deficit. To me, the point you made about their lack of um, ambition last night to, to go and really, you know, beat, beat us because they had to beat us. It's, we've seen before, and we've talked about this. It, when you're down at the bottom, it's not enough. If you look at Everton and you look at the Burnley games, you say, well, you can win one and you draw one. You're much better to beat us and not beat and draw against Everton because you're taking points off your relegation rivals. So if you're if you're looking at that, Rich, and you're saying if you can, you know, you compare. Fulham's results this season and their attitude last night, I just don't see how they're going to get out of this. That's true. And I think that's why a point was so crucial because Fulham had a brilliant win at Everton and I actually thought they played really, really well in that game. They can, You know, Everton's a top side, don't forget that, and they completely dominated them. If we went away to Everton and put that performance in, everybody would be ranting and raving. I know people say Fulham are this, that and the other, but I don't think there is a, they're not a great team, but they're still not a bad team. So, but let's say Fulham beat us last night. They've they've won two on the bounce. It's only five points. They've got two, you know, what looks like more winnable games coming up. You can easily get sucked, uh, you know, drawn back into it. You know, we've we've seen it in the past where teams have looked dead and buried. And all, you know, Leicester did it not so long ago. Sunderland did it under Allardyce. Fulham have done it them, you know, themselves in in the past. It only takes three, you know, three or four wins in 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 a short period of time, and all of a sudden they're well back into it. Yeah. So I I know there was a lot of people that said, you know, we, we should have gone for it. We should have gone for the win. But I actually think we did the sensible things. We were a bit decimated with injuries. And again, it does at this stage, it does look highly unlikely that Fulham will get back into it. But at the yeah. end of the day, you you never know. You just never know. Like say they won't beat us and then they win the next two games against Sheffield United Palace. All of a sudden, they could be within a couple of points of us. So again, I get it. They really don't look like they're going to do it at this current stage, but you, but you do never know. So that's why it's important to keep that bit of breathing space and not get dragged into it. Yeah, but I think that that's true, Rich. But I think the one thing that we have got at the moment is that um, we've managed to drag a couple of other teams, and then Newcastle are down there, Brighton down there as well. And when there's a relegation battle going on, what you want it to be is you want as many teams down there as is humanly possible because you want you want more variables. You want to make sure that other people, other teams need to get results. And I think Newcastle will be looking over their shoulder, especially now that they've lost their, their key striker who's going to be out for, what, six to eight weeks. Um, so their goals are going to dry up as well. Um, so, it, you know, there's a lot of variables now. And I think if Burnley just take care of their own business, they'll be fine. Um, Tom, coming back to you, and we are going to be kind to Robbie Brady. I'm sorry, listeners, who wanted us to get the pitchforks out and start rallying against him because, do you know what? I'm not going to kick the guy on his down. He had a shocking night last night and the poor guy got brought on, conceded a, well, helped to concede an awful goal and then promptly got taken off again. Looked like he was going to be a red card waiting to happen. Um, a lot of speculation on social media last night, Tom, that it's an attitude problem because his head's been turned by a possible move to Celtic, which I hadn't heard, but apparently that's a thing. Um, you know, Rich has already talked about that weird uh, attempted clearance on the goal, but I think just his overall play was off last night. Um, could it be an attitude thing? Is it just lack of match sharpness at the moment? Is it fatigue? Is it just Robbie Brady losing a little bit of his edge? Is that 
is there any explanation to it or actually is there any point trying to explain it? Do we just chalk it off as one of those? I think the big thing for Brady for the last couple of years has been lack of match sharpness, to be honest. I think uh, since he got yeah. that injury at Leicester, he's not been the same player. Um, he's come in, he'll play a couple of games, then he'll be out for another month. Uh, you know, he's never had, he's never had a run. I think we saw a, a good kind of run of form of him. He had three or four decent games earlier this season. Uh, as, uh, as people who listen will know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Brady's. I'd, I'd love to see him get that kind of form back he had before he got the big injury, but I think, to be fair, the last few games he played before last night, he's not played well. He has had a gap mm. um, between uh, between his last performance and last night. I don't think it's necessarily an attitude problem. I think if it was an attitude problem, you'd see more of him sort of hiding, not not putting in the challenges. I think his problem in some instances was he made these mistakes and he was too sort of over-eager to try and remedy them. You know, there's the foul that, you know, he's right to stood down someone's shin. Perhaps on another day that could have been a red, and obviously he was lucky not to get the second yellow for, for tugging his man back as well. But I don't think he hid. Um, mm. I think he was just—he is rusty. I think he's come back not the same player that he was before he got the big injury, and uh, it's probably—it's looking like it's going to be be better for all parties if he does get that move to Celtic in the in the summer. Yeah, uh, Rich, I'm going to bring you in here as well because I know that one of the points you wanted to talk about as well. Um, we had a little bit of a. Um, shift around with, with, with lots of players just which we'll come on to in a minute just the injury problems uh, great news that we had Charlie Taylor back last night which was good because Peter's got a knock in the last game um, but with Ben Mee's concussion or whatever it was head injury from the Palace game Kevin Long um, came in and I actually thought he did a superb job last night Yeah massive boost having Taylor back I'm a massive massive Taylor fan I think he's what actually one of the best left backs in the league, you know, there's there's not too many that are better than him. So hopefully he can have a run of uh, games without getting another injury. Yeah, but you know, fair play to Long, and it's kind of I was, you know, to be fair to Tommy, he said he wasn't worried about it, even though Fulham didn't offer a lot last night. I actually thought he was really really solid. He, you know, he looked composed on the ball, he looked calm with everything he was doing, and I think it definitely helps him having Taki or me or one of the experienced players next to him. Um, so yeah, I, I just kind of just wanted to mention that really about you know we we do worry about him and we do need another centre half moving forward in my opinion even if Taki does stay. Uh, but yeah, I just thought he was composed last night and um, you know he never looked in any real danger. And but like I said, I think my only worry is if we do have me and Taki injured and we've got to play Dunn and Long. But you know, <laughs> don't yeah, yeah, don't Jimmy Jimmy don't. Um, okay, no, but. Good. No, but Long was good last night. I just wanted yeah, yeah, a was. quick mention to him. Um, and I think he's okay stepping in for the odd game here and there because he knows the system. Dice can trust him. I just, yeah, so I'll leave it at that. Yeah, good point. It was definitely one that I wanted to talk about as well. I um, I was really pleased with myself. Mr Bromley is a huge fan of Kevin Long. He's just saying that, you know, he knows he has off days. But to have that guy just to commit himself to a club for 10 years without regular first-team football and just be the ultimate team player, just he deserves an awful lot of respect. Um, the only other point I wanted to mention on the, um, Tom, on the, the Fulham game was just Ashley Barnes does not know when it's time does he? He's just, every single time we think we're going to write him off and think he's maybe past his peak or, you know, we need, we need to be upgrading him. He gets injured, comes back in and he's just probably the, well, he is the most in form of our four strikers we've got at the moment. And last night, 
just the composure we got with that goal was, I thought, superb. And I wouldn't have wanted anybody else there apart from Bond. I thought he was a little bit lucky myself there. Uh, it was superb from Rodriguez. A little turn <laughs> and pirouette was really good. It was Great ball in, that first touch. I mean, he's either really bamboozled the keeper and give him the eyes or he's had a crap touch and it's throwing the keeper off. And then he's, uh, to be fair to him, reacted really well because he's still got a lot to do and it's on his weaker foot. So he's finished it well. Um, but I do think he was a bit fortunate. He was classic Barnes though last night, wasn't he? He was, uh, he was either winning a header or falling over. And there's no in between with him. It's frustrating to watch him sometimes, but uh, when you're doing when you're doing all right in the game, or when you're not losing, it it can uh, it can add another layer of entertainment onto the match. Let's say what's the what's the cheapest free kick it can possibly win today? Uh, that was uh, that was all action, uh, a classic Barnes performance for me. Yeah, I think I think that's that's fair. It's a bit difficult, really, because it's one of those where you say he does miscontrol that first touch, doesn't he? And you think, oh my god, what are you doing there? But actually, when you look at the goal and analyse it in any great depth, he needed to miscontrol it. Otherwise, he probably wouldn't have put it in the back of the net. But I just thought his reactions were really sharp. And that's not necessarily something we always say about Ashley Barnes, um, that he's, he's he just reacted, his brain acted so quickly and he was nimble on his feet and he put it in the back of the net. And I was just I was just really impressed with him. I thought, I thought it was a superb performance. Um, the only other thing, I guess, to note of the Fulham game, it, which leads us on to just a wider discussion now, Rich, uh, we lost JBG again. And actually, the, the official line, I thought Dyche was really savage last night and just substituted Brady for being a bit shit. Um, but actually, the official line is that apparently Brady's done his hamstring. I'm not sure whether that's a bit of PR to help him. Uh, just to save his face, I don't know. I don't what. think Brady's injured. I don't think he's injured either. When he, no. he said, oh, yeah, yeah, he, he pulled his hamstring, I was like, really? I... I think he'll probably let him miss this weekend to let him yeah. look like <laughs> I was like, when he you came know, out in the press, I was like, I don't believe Seeing his face on the bench, he wasn't injured. <gasps> oh my God, did you see him? And he was like, he, he was fuming. <laughs> if he was injured, he'd have gone up the touchline like Gunmanson did. So yeah, exactly. he wasn't injured. Yeah, no, he definitely wasn't. Um, so we're going to ignore, for the purposes of this, this podcast, sorry, sorry, Dash, but we're not, we don't believe you. Uh, we're going to ignore any talk of Brady being injured. But again, Gunmanson, oh, Rich, that... De- that guy cannot get a break. Do you think Dice ever listens to this podcast? By the way, do you think uh, he ever it, just like in his own, in, when no. he's in the Ribble <laughs> They listen to it for who are these idiots not having a clue what they're going on about? I just thought it just made me think no. But, in uh, my head, I've always I've always hoped that Dice would just dip in and out of fan stuff and just go, yeah, I'm going to have a listen because he listens to podcasts and he's done a lot of like he goes on a lot of the Watford podcasts from the Rookery end. He's been on there, he's been a guest on there about three times since he left as a manager. It's not fair. Yeah. We we can't I, get him. I think um, he might do when when he leaves if he never will. <laughs> no, but uh, what are you saying, Rich? But yeah, I know. Sorry, go no, on. I think. <laughs> oh yeah, so we got sidetracked there. Um, <laughs> Does Dash ever listen? So, yeah, good Munson. That's where we'd gone to. I was gutted. Yeah, as soon as I was gutted, obviously, I, uh, I just seen him go down and I can't say the word that I said on the, you know, on, on this podcast, but uh, it sounded a lot like cluck. As soon as, so, as soon as he went down, I was just like, oh, cluck. I couldn't believe it. Because he's just been playing so well. I'm a massive Goodmanson fan. Um, I think he's such a good football. I think he's an underrated player. I think people outside of Burnley don't realise how good he is. And when he's at his best, he's contributing his assists. He links up with play, and he scored two goals in the last two games. Um, and it's and it seemed like he had an extended breakout. Dice said he was fit, 
But he said he just wanted to leave him out of, of Premier League football, get him back right. And then I, I you know, I, I was quietly confident I was going to see him, you know, play, you know, play an extended run of games. And when he just went down, it was just because you know who you've got coming in is just not no nowhere near, you know, up up to the level. Um, and he was obviously forming a brilliant partnership with Lawton. So yeah, it's just it's just gutting for him. And you know now he's not going to be back for weeks and weeks. And you know, he, even if he is come back. He's going yeah. to have those injury fears, and 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 that's the worry, isn't it? Because you know you bumped Brady on last night. He's not going to play, so now you you're going to have to play Brownhill. So how wide, unless he does something else, and you know these injuries are you know are just really really difficult. It, I think I think it was we played a game last month. I can't I think, can't remember who it was against, but we seem to have a really fully fit squad, and you know we brought. I think it was the win against Villa actually, and we brought subs off the bench. Yeah, our bench is good. Yeah, and, um, and and I think there was a home game against Wolves where it looked like, and we won those two games against good teams. And, you know, when it's back to square one, I think last night was a game where, you know, our two strikers absolutely worked their absolute knackers off. And I think with about 15 minutes left, it would have been great to swap the substitutes and we didn't have that option. Yeah. So, hope, and I think Vidra's going to be fit for this weekend. Obviously, me's going to be back and, and Wood said's close. So, hopefully, we can get a few options back. But, no, it does worry me about Wide that right players, hand. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it just worries me about that right hand side because unless you know either you or Tom think anything different, it looks like we're going to brown all out there, and it's just fitting a you know a, a square peg in a round hole. I think that's yeah. the saying, and it's not the other way around. No, but, it um, is. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. So I, yeah, no, he's absolutely right, Tom. And and I guess the one thing this might be a, a really controversial question to be asking, and I might be getting listeners shouting at me for saying this, but there's part of me that gets really angry at the moment. I know I was listening to Daisha's post-match interview this morning. And he was saying like, this is the level of injuries that they, they are experiencing are unprecedented in his magical career and he's never seen anything like it. But every time I hear this, I kind of go, well, what do you expect when you insist on playing such a small squad? It's like, we've not added to the squad. We've not added numbers. We've not got cover for, what, four transfer windows now? In the summer, we didn't add anybody. We've not added anybody in January. And yes, there are reasons for that. And yes, there are wider factors that we need to take into account. But ultimately, you know, it's like, well, what did you expect when you were going to operate in a pandemic world with fixtures coming thick and fast and insist on making these players play every single minute of every single game? Well, I suppose... If, if you were to probably ask Daesh about that, he'd say, well, this is why I wanted to keep Hendrick. This is why I wanted to keep Lennon. Um, and this is why I probably would have preferred us to spend more than a million quid, you know, in, in uh, over the last two transfer windows. And obviously we know part of that's the board's fault, part of that's the old board's fault, part of that is Daesh's fault. Who, you know, who knows how to apportion the blame. But for example, I mean, the Bournemouth game, you know, we were all, annoyed that we rested players but it seemed to pay off with the Palace performance and results so but then you remember that you know Goodmanson and McNeil had to play that game and uh, would he have played either of them if we had two wingers waiting in you know in the wings so to speak uh, I doubt it so uh, you know I, I don't think you can really put you know put the, the blame for that at Daesh's door necessarily I think we all know that the squad isn't as big as it should be I think we all know that we can't if we expect to be playing in the Premier League and picking up results, we can't be spending a million quid. Um, and I think if you ask Daesh, then he would have preferred to be carrying a bigger squad. 
you could say, oh, maybe you should rotate a bit more. I think that's the reason Man City are doing so well this season is because they've they've really sort of harnessed the rotation in a way that nobody else has. But by the same token, they've got you know unlimited transfer budget and they've got the biggest squad. So um, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure in an ideal world we would rotate a bit more. We certainly would have rotated more for the cup game. Um, but the re you know we've got three wingers and two of them are made of glass and I don't think that's really Dyche's fault. I think that is the the people above him that bear the ultimate responsibility for that, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I completely agree. At, at no point was I I wasn't laying that blame at Dyche's floor. I, mean, I think it's you know Dyche was the one telling us that he's never had injuries like it. Maybe that was some kind of um, message to to his previous board. I absolutely lay the blame on our previous board for that. It's ridiculous that he's had to operate in this one. It just it just annoys me that we're in this situation that once again we're just having to operate with a ridiculous amount of injuries. And actually, there's a significant factor in that has been our own conduct, and it just really annoys me. Um, so I think I think we've got to the point then, Rich, where we're, we're feeling relatively comfortable with the league. We've talked through what we think Fulham need to do to get there. There's obviously also Newcastle and Brighton down there as well. We've very much got matters into our own hands and, and, and beat West Brom then we'll be in a, a much better stretch. Um, obviously, if we get beaten off West Brom, then we might have to rethink this next season, uh, next week, sorry. But a few games ago, we were actually on a massive high um, following that absolutely incredible away win um, at Palace where... We we looked like, at times like Brazil. I, I can't remember a, a half like it. Like you said, I think there's a lot of game, especially this season. I think, I think that's the first game we've won more by more than a goal. So a lot of the time watching Burnley it can be very tense, it can be very nervy. That second half in particular, obviously once um, you know once Matt Cafu scored that worldy, Lotinio. <laughs> uh, it was just that. Wasn't it just great to watch? Yeah, um, it was. It's fans, you know, he's knocking the ball around well. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> Palace were absolutely uh, they dire. Were like, I mean, they couldn't have been worse. Obviously, you had Bushwaya and Benteke up front, and you know, I dread to think the money that some of those players are on. But you know, we took advantage of it. Obviously, the two early goals helped. Two good goals, obviously, one from a corner, and then he, then you then you can play with that with a, with a, with a little bit more freedom. And I think I heard some a stat say that's the first time. We've ever won three nil away from home in the Premier League, which no. doesn't surprise. Which yeah, I, I, I'm I'm pretty sure it is. And then I was trying to wrap my brain, and I couldn't think of no, any, I can't you know, any any other. Um, Tom's put his hand up, so I'm sure he's going to ruin uh, that. Tom, the last season that I think we both went to, Rich. I'm surprised you don't remember that one. And then oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah, good point, Tom. I seen you dinner. <laughs> I'm blaming. I'm blaming the commentator. <laughs> oh, yeah, at, least, at least somebody's done the research. <laughs> That's all I can say. Yeah, West Ham as well. The one where we won three 0 when they were. Oh yeah, I went to that too. Well, yeah. I, I think I meant it was the only time we've won away in South London. So, oh, we, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well recovered. That's what it was. Well Matt, can you edit that one out? <laughs> I like it. We just like note the time on the log, Matt. We have an editing note at about twenty-five minutes and fifty-seven seconds. Um, yeah, so going back to that, Natalie, you know, I think I think there's only two other times that we've won three 0 in the Premier League. Um, <laughs> so yeah, superb win. <laughs> it really was. Um, 
I think I think let's let's go through each of the the, the goals then. Then Tom, I think um, first and foremost, I was uh, before we, we lost the poor guy to injury. Uh, Good Munson scored a, a cracking goal, and I feel I feel kind of feel a little bit sorry for Good Munson that because of young uh, Lawton t- taking all of the credit, um, his was a really like that turn was really impressive. I thought they'd cocked it up at first when they took that really bad touch, but for him to be able to just turn like he didn't put it in the back of the net was impressive. We don't score goals like that, aren't we? We don't. He took it really well. I think he was uh, helped greatly by the defending, shall we say. I don't know what the hell them two centre-halves are doing. Uh, it's not often we get that much space in the box, and I think that was all down to the way it was defended. But no, it was a really, really uh, took advantage of it. The first touch, I think, was was a decent one because it took him into the space and it opened opened him up for the shot as well. Obviously, still had a lot to do after the first touch. And like you say, it was fantastic. Hit on the turn. No stopping that for the keeper. Uh, yeah, brilliant. Uh, that's the advantage you get, I suppose, of playing a left footer on the right-hand side. You, you can come inside and you can hit shots like that. And he has got a decent shot on him as well. He, he should probably score a few more for the same. But, yeah, that was uh, the perfect start and uh, good to have a level head so early in the game like that as well. Yeah, definitely. And and I think, for me, their... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Their... Create well, I guess their intention and their positivity was there right from the beginning, even before we scored a goal. And I can't quite put my finger on it. What what the difference was in their attitude against Palace than it was against Fulham, even before any goals had gone in. It just it felt different for some reason. Yeah, I think probably a couple of things. I think we got the goal so early. I know obviously um, we've got to be attacking to actually get the goals, but um, I think the fact that, that that it fell for us so kindly in such, such an early part of the game helped. I think uh, the fact that we knew Palace had got a lot of injuries, not in the best form, we probably sensed an opportunity there that we won't always have in, in these Premier League away games. So I think it was important to be on the front foot for that reason. We knew with their goal-scoring record, especially without Zaha, that if we could get the first goal, it was going to be big. Um, the sort of the state of the Palace defending, I mentioned for the first goal, how, how cheap that was. And then I think the second as well, it's a free header in the six-yard box that he doesn't even have to direct. So the fact that it was so easy to score these goals helped as well. And then probably the last thing I'd suggest as well that, that contributed towards it is a bit of a uh, response from the Bournemouth performance. You know, we all said, um, you know, after turning out that kind of a performance for a game where you've rested players for the Saturday, then you expect to play really well on the Saturday because they've had this rest. And to be fair to them, they did answer that that criticism. They did answer that query. So um, I think they did have to come out and play well, you know, for, based on the, the way the Bournemouth game ended. But uh, you know, full credit to them. He sent some weakness. They were off on the front foot and uh, paid dividends. Yeah, definitely. Um, to come on then, Rich, I'm going to let you do it. Matt Lawton. That is that is stuff that, I don't know if I can say this on the pod, but that is that goal is things that porn videos are made of for me. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to have, you can you can keep whatever you want. I'm just going to play that uh... on for the rest of my life. <laughs> can, I, can I just mention something else quickly to finish oh, yeah, what sure, Tom was saying about the difference? Palace played four four two, and sometimes in games we get really outnumbered in midfield when teams yeah. play three and uh, and and I think because obviously that four four two it just gives us that time into play, and we look like a team who was more kind of accomplished at it. So I think that made a big difference in the game and allowed us to have more space in midfield and in the channels too. Um, so I just thought I just wanted to raise that because I thought it was something that I just really noticed compared to some other games we play where we do get dominated in midfield. But going to that Lawton goal, obviously, you know, I think for the last, you know, for I'm not sure, I'd say the last 12 months or so, maybe a bit longer, 
I think overall he's probably been back up to Bardsley. Um and and Bardsley seems to be the go to right back and then, you know, he's come back in the team and he's just got better and better. And he's obviously signed this new contract and it looks like he's freed him up a little bit. And the Brighton game, he was absolutely outstanding and then he carried that on. And yeah, it was just a beautiful goal. He's obviously took the ball. You know, sometimes we've mentioned about sometimes we're too negative about passing sidewards, backwards. He's got the ball, attacked players, I think he's beat a couple of players, wrapped the ball into Jay, who's had a brilliant uh, one-two with him. And then, yeah, what a what a wonderful finish. Obviously, you know, I've seen it in the past when Lawton scored that amazing volley for, for Villa. Um, but yeah, I, I think on Saturday night and Sunday, I must have watched that goal 25, 30 times, just again, just on loop, <laughs> on, my, on, on my phone. And I'd love to actually go through goals of the season of other teams, but that must be right up there. And not just the goal and, and kind of the goal we got against Lawton's goal and then the dummy last night from Jay. You know, again, let's say if one of the big boys did that, they'd have been purring over those goals for ages. Especially yeah. that Lawton goal, it really didn't get enough coverage that I felt it deserved. And I know... The media representation of is a bigger bugbear of yours than mine, Natalie. Definitely but, is. But yeah, it was just um, <laughs> it just kind of um, I'm trying to find a good word. In cap, uh, I'm not going to try and say it because I'll end up saying it. But I think it just kind of just rounded off a really amazing team performance. And yeah, yeah, Enca- yeah, it, it, encapsulated. It's, yeah, that's the right word. Yeah, yeah, it is. Encapsulated the team's performance. That goal. Well done. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's funny, really, when you talk about such a a sublime piece of individual skill rounding off a team performance. But I think part of that is that you had a team that was playing so well together and the team trusted a right back to have the freedom to take on two or three players and had the confidence to pass it back to him, to let him have a go, and he liked to volley it in the back of the net. And to, you know, it's like you don't always get that, and I think that shows a lot of the team spirit that we've got in that the team, you know, you wouldn't necessarily look to somebody like Matt Loughton to say, okay, you go and, and have this shot. You know, we, we need to we need to pass it to McNeil, or we'll need to pass it to Jay, or we need to find whoever's going to put it in the back of the net. But the fact that they just went, yeah, okay, go on then, um, you know, see see what you can put in there, uh, I, I think Shaw's a really good team team spirit. So, Tom, we now finish those games. Obviously, we've got West Brom next on Saturday, which is at home and is another really, really vital game. And, I, and it's one I'm, I think I'm perhaps more nervous about the West Brom game than I was about Fulham because I think we have now got some key players out. Um, but once we finish with the West Brom game, we've got to face Spurs, Arsenal, Everton and Southampton are our next four games, which on paper look horrific. Um, we then get a, a rest where we can, where we play Newcastle, but then we play in United, Wolves, West Ham. We've then got Fulham again, and then we've got Leeds and Sheffield United sandwiched between Liverpool. Um, so actually, again, it's a bit of a difficult one because we are feeling relatively comfortable about survival. But we've not got that many games left towards the end of the season that you could categorise as being easy wins. So looking at the table now, we've got 27 points on the table. We ideally want to get to 40. We want to get 13 points. Um, We usually look at it and say you very rarely go down if you've won 10 games in a season. Um, So looking at that, you know, if we win West Brom, if we beat West Brom, 
and then hopefully beat Newcastle, Sheffield United and Fulham again. There's enough games in there for us to get the points to survive. I'm not being paranoid here, am I? Oh, yeah. What you've got to take into account as well is like, I mean, most seasons it's what, like 34, 35, 36 points. You've got to look at you've True. got to look at Fulham's fixtures and say how many are how many how are they where are they getting eighteen points from because like I know they've got Sheffield United and then Palace the next two they're quite easy games but if you look at their running it's not any easier than ours I would say it's probably harder than ours um, a lot of their easy games like Brighton they drew West Brom they drew Newcastle they drew that you know all that that have been fancying trying to get three points out of us and they drew it so I really don't think they can afford to drop any points in the next two. Um, you know, uh, so I think they'll struggle to get to 35, 36 points, to be honest. Like you say, we need three wins. You'd fancy us to beat West Brom. And the thing about us is, and you can say the same about the other teams around us, like Newcastle, Brighton, I think this is where they're going to survive and, and the bottom three aren't, is that we can get these unexpected wins. We can get wins from games you don't expect. You know, we've, we've won at Arsenal this season. We've won at Liverpool. It's 1-0 down at Enfield Villa and getting battered and we won that game. So what I can't see... I don't know, obviously, they beat Everton the other week and, and Newcastle have won there as well. But I can't see Fulham pulling three or four results out like that, like we've done in the season already. So, um, you know, and he, you know, he taught them away. They're not playing that well. Southampton away. I think they've lost six on the trot in the Premier League. These are winnable games for mm. us. So I'm not worried at all now. I think we I think we need three, maybe four wins at a push. And they're easily there for us out of those fixtures. And if it comes down to the last game of the season, you can't ask for a better one than Sheffield United, really. So, um, if, if, uh, oh God, Tom, don't jinx us. <laughs> I think we'll be well safe. But I'm just saying, if we are, if we are coming down to the last, uh, the last knockings, I'd rather be going to Bramall Lane than Old Old Trafford. So I'm, I'm not worried at all. Yeah, no, I think you're probably right. It's just, it's just really difficult, isn't it? You kind of look at these things and you just think, ah, you know, can we, can we really, um you know, can we really end up getting dragged into this? I guess. See, West Brom have only won two games all season. If we if we lose, if we beat, well, actually, in some respects, you're looking at you think, well, if we only draw it home to Fulham and we get beat off West Brom, do we deserve to stay up? <laughs> there is definitely one of those, isn't there, where you just kind of think, ooh, that, that's not great if, you, if you're not going to do them. I think... What a, can I just add something? Of course there, you though? can. Go for it. You, you, you can lose any game of football and it doesn't mean you're a bad team. True. I just... Sometimes, if if you lose a game that you think you should win, you know, and me, I, I, I've done it, I can't lie, but it's just you mentioned the comment, yeah, but if we draw with Fulham and then we lose to West Brom, but we beat Liverpool and Arsenal away. Yeah, so true. So, you, you don't really know, like, Fulham, Fulham could have won at the week on last night because of, you know, just a lucky goal, you know, and, and someone not claiming it off the line and us. So... You know, who knows? We could have a player. Set, I know it's unlikely. We we could have a player sent off against West Brom. So if we lose, it's, I don't think we will. I think we'll win. I there's a reason West Brom are a poorer side than Fulham. That's why they re, that, that's why they're below them in the table. For me, I think West Brom will come bottom, and I think we'll just simply have too much. Um, you know, too much for them. And I think as a football fan, you are always pessimistic. I think for me. The game for us to get drawn back into it was last night. And for yeah. us having that draw, I think it's a massive, massive point. And I think Dyche knew that. And that's why he didn't want to lose and we didn't go gungo in the last 15 minutes. So I think we've stabilised her, you know, and, and I think we can start looking up a little bit now. You know, like, you know, we're only two points behind Palace. We're, we're pretty close to Wolves and Southampton. We're not even miles behind Leeds. No, and I we know. Always do You're co- right. um, 
and we are even though we have got a few injuries, we always do seem to come on strong this you know come on strong this part of the season. And you mentioned there, Natalie. You know we have got some tougher games coming up. But who thought we would have beat Aston Villa after going behind twice? Who thought we would have beat Liverpool away? You know, we always do pull out a result where people don't expect us to win. One thing that we've got, we have start. you know, we're not free-flowing, but we have started scoring more goals recently. And I'm always very, very confident that when we go ahead uh, uh, in a game that we're going to win, which maybe some of the other teams don't have that now that we have. So um, right. I, I just kind of just wanted to come in on that to say that, you know, if we do lose on Saturday, you know, people will. Let's not it's panic. Not the end of the, yeah. yeah, let's not panic. That can happen in a game of football. You know, these, you know, these play these teams they do have good players still. You know, West Brom still have good players. You know, West Brom drew with United last weekend, who's been fantastic away from home. So, so they're not. You know, it's not like playing like you know, you know, like some absolute dreadful team who's got no chance of beating us. They're still a Premier League team, and they can and they can cause upsets on the day. But I'm not going to panic if we lose. But I'm very, very confident that we've got that draw against Fulham that we are going to win on Saturday. Good stuff. Actually, it's really just you said about Southampton because the perception is that Southampton have had an incredible season. They've been uh, they've really, lost really loads on a run. They have. Well, they're only we're only two and they've got a game in hand, but they're only two points behind us. They've only won one game more than we. And our stats are very similar. They've won eight, we've won seven. They've lost, drawn five, we've drawn six. They've lost 10 and we've lost 11. So that's really, really close stats. And you think about it, you think, well, if you were to ask your normal pundit how Southampton season's gone and how Burnley season's gone, you can bet your life they'd be saying Burnley have struggled all season, they've had a poor season. Yet you speak about Southampton, you say, yeah, they, they're really strong. It's, it's Perceptions are unbelievable. And it just annoys me that sometimes we struggle to shake off that negative tag um, that we tend to get shoved at us. It, it's, it's kind of annoying. Um Right, well, I didn't have anything else to say about... We talked about injuries, which is what I wanted to cover. I think we've covered enough in both the Palace or Fulham games. Do either of you had any sort of wider points or anything else that you wanted to cover before we called it an, a week for this uh, this particular show? Oh, good for me, good for me. Good, good. Tom, is there anything else you wanted nah, to cover? nothing springs to mind. I got to slag off Fulham with Richard on the programme, so that's all, that's all I wanted out of tonight. <laughs> Happy days, happy days. I love it. Um, Can we do score predictions? I do enjoy doing that. Yes, do go on. Especially, I feel like there's a positive one coming your way. Come on, then, Rich. Two nil, easy. Two nil, comfortable win. Wow, Rick Rodriguez, Rodriguez, (gasps) and Westwood. Wow, we've not even got score predictions. We've got scorers as well. This is impressive. Uh, Well, Tommy's set the bar high. You're going to have to give us a score and scorers. I want to know if Rich thinks it'll be left foot, right foot, or header before I give mine. <laughs> Go on, Rich. Jay Edder, McNeil Cross, and do you know where he kind of makes that run to the near post and he flicks it into the just a glancing header? That's wow. what I'm saying. Specificity has, has gone wild on the None and Never podcast. Go on, then, Tom. You have to you have to beat that. I'm going to say uh, one nil. Uh, Josh Brownell drew a goal so he'll, uh, he'll ghost in from the right and just tuck it away a la Jeff Hendrick in the second half on the corner Excellent well I'm going to I'm going to say 2-0 as well uh, I'm going to say a Barnes um, net buster of a finish and I'm going to say a Ben Mee header from a corner there we go we're never going to remember these, so we'll have to play this back before next week and see if any of us were anywhere near close. Uh, we love it. Uh, listeners, if you've got some score predictions, we usually do this on the preview show, actually. Oh, actually, that reminds me, preview show. 
Produ- uh, Statman Dave did tell me that I needed to say this on this pod- podcast to do crossovers of shows. Um, for those of you who only listen to the analysis show and don't listen to the preview show, we are doing a new feature in the second half of the season where Dave does a fixture flashback. I think that's right. I'm tripping over those words. And what we're looking for is for fans to send us some memories, ideally audio. You can just record them on the phone, drop them to us um, on email. Essentially, memories of, of the fixtures that we've got coming up. So let's say, for example, have you got a pre this memory of West Brom away um, drop us a quick uh, message or something like that or one of the fixtures coming up so please get involved um, and also if you don't listen to the preview show why don't you download it listen it's good um, that is all we have time for this week we will be back do we have I don't even know when the fixtures are on this week so obviously we've got a Saturday game so I presume that the rest of the team will be back probably Monday Tuesday next week uh, with some analysis of that game against West Brom um, unless we get beat heavily and we're all sulking in which case we might give it a miss but you never know uh, and Dave and I will be back on Friday with the preview show giving you all the stats um, ahead of that game um, my thanks go to Rich and Tom for joining me um, on the show and giving their expert opinion it's been a very thoroughly enjoyable one this week thank you um, to producer Matt for producing and uh, editing all of this together, to band Joyce who give us the background music royalty free, thank you Um, and finally to you the listener for downloading and listening to this podcast, your support is very much appreciated and we would not be here without you. I've been Natalie Bromley this has been the Known and Never podcast until next time TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.